Kuzeni, good evening to you. Welcome. Thank you, and uh, thanks for having us in your program, Mayabong. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you would have, uh, I guess, like many of us, received that signal from the South African Weather Service. Uh, and I think I want us to also use this opportunity to maybe educate some of us as members of the public uh, about what your responsibility is when uh, you, you get this kind of forewarning. Uh, so as a provincial, you know, um, administration charged with provincial disaster management and a framework around this, when you get a message of this kind, what happens? Well, when we get this message, we have to activate our structures to be on board and ready. And the structures will have to activate the district uh, disaster management centers. We've mm-hmm. got a provincial manage, uh, disaster management center which work in collaboration with district disaster management centers. And then we need to identify areas that are at risk and ensure that through structures of Operation Sugumasake, the communities that are uh, in risk areas are conscientized and requested to evacuate and be in better areas. In case the rain starts and there is damage done, we monitor with uh, the local structures and where there is damage, we, inter- we immediately intervene. And, and then, MEC, I mean, just as, as you do that, uh, because I like the point you just made now, and I'm quite interested in it, in the evacuation processes, uh, but also, I guess there's an expectation in the act that you also increase the capacity of communities uh, and households to minimize the risk and the impact of such a disaster. Aside from evacuation, what are some of the other things that you're suggesting people do to minimize their vulnerability or you know, to minimize the risk and the impact of uh, what, for all intents and purposes, is a looming disaster here? Well, uh, besides evacuation, what we normally encourage is that the people should always be alert uh, to safer mm. areas. The second is that the communication lines should be strengthened. They must know that they've got councillors and ward committees that in case there are problems, they must report to and escalate matters accordingly. But we also activate uh, what is called the JOC, which is uh, the team composed of the police, the, the uh, copter, and all organs that are responsible for, uh, for uh, dealing with disaster to be on standby in case they need to attend to areas that are affected. Mm. And, then, and then I guess, you know, as part of that, yes, there's the prevention side of it. Uh, but once it's happened, um, I mean, you, you are expecting certain things are likely to happen, especially in low-lying areas. But once it's happened, um, I mean, what is the state of readiness of your capacity to mitigate uh, uh, the uh, sort of outcome and uh, the uh, impact and the implications that that might have on firms, households, you know, and just members of the general public? It is dependent on the magnitude. We do have powered by the magnitude of the rain itself. Mm. And that's why we also uh, would want to be on precautionary side, prevention that people should stay in better areas. For instance, right now, uh, the announcement is clear that areas with a potential 
risk with the areas like Umkungulufu, especially underpack areas of Ikosilangalbalele, Etreguini, Greater Cockstad, Mukabati, Nimpofana, Ilembe, and some part of uh, King Kichwayo. So you see that it is affecting mostly the areas that are around the coast. Sure, sure. MEC, please hold the line there for me for a second. Uh, we just want to get you on a much better line. There's a bit of um, audio challenges with your line. Uh, so hold the line for us for a second there. We'll try and uh, reconnect there with the MEC for Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs in the province of Guazul Natal. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. Joined on the line by the MEC of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs in Guazul Natal, Sihles Galala, speaking to us tonight about, uh, I guess, their own assessment of the vulnerability of communities and households to uh, the uh, looming anticipated uh, heavy rainfall, according to the South African Weather Service. And, uh, Kuzeni, I hope we have you on a much better line. You were still uh, outlining, I guess, some of the areas uh, uh, that uh, would be at risk here. And I'm quite interested, I guess, from a more medium to long-term perspective for yourselves, alongside your counterparts, of course, uh, not just within the Guazulu Natal provincial authorities, but across government. When, when we find people settling in low-lying areas or in areas that are you know, very, very vulnerable to adverse weather events. Um, what are some of the things that the administrations at multiple levels are doing, one, to discourage that, but also, two, uh, to say, look, if we accept climate change and climate variability is going to be a big part of how we live going forward. From a spatial and even town planning perspective, what are some of the things that we're doing to make sure that as we go forward, you know, uh, the impacts of uh, all of this adverse weather um, are not as severe as what we might have seen over the last few months? Well, thanks. You might have uh, been aware that we have promulgated uh, the SPLUMA, mm. which is the one that is guiding, it's a guiding framework on where people must or can reside. And we are trying our best to engage, especially in this case, with uh, traditional leaders that in the allocation of sites for people to build houses, let us ensure that we give them the areas that are not uh, low-lying or exposed to dangers. So it is important that to mitigate the effect of climate change, we educate and plan together. We must plan together and educate all people because people have the tendency of building anywhere maybe because of the lack of proper land. And we must now be clear and discern and saying, no, no, we can't allow people to build in exposed areas. And, and what has prevented yourselves from doing that before? Well, before we didn't have uh, this act, uh, which I think it came to effect a year ago, and we are now starting to implement it. But on top of that, of course, you will get resistance from leaders who will not understand proper mm. the purpose of this act. But you then wait, get... Wait, let me see, let me see. Are you talking about the amendments to SPLUMA, which is the Spatial Planning yes, and Land Use yes, Act? Yes, or are you saying the act itself? Because the act has been around since 2013. Yes, yes. Uh, the amendment. Oh, okay. Then, secondly, uh, you will find that communities themselves will resist because they think that it is uh, their areas, they are used to these areas, they've got 
uh, neighbors and it's not easy to move them away from those areas. Mm, mm. And then, and then, of course, I mean, the other issue that had come out, um, and I'm interested from an intergovernmental relations perspective, uh, how the response is coordinated. I mean, there was a lot of murmurs when the last flooding came that, um, you know, it's with the Treasury, and the issue is that there's a lot of rigmarole and bureaucratic processes to get it to, you know, where it needs to be, to rebuild communities, build people's houses, relocate them, and so on. This time around, um, I guess, have you preemptively planned for that? And from an IGR perspective, for the purposes of some of us who might not know, uh, what does that look like? So when a disaster is subsequently declared, how does the money flow? Now, the money will always flow the same way. The only thing that we need to, to, up, uh, to enhance is the processes. Because firstly, once there is a disaster, it must be declared whether it's a provincial or national. Once it's declared, the relevant organs must conduct thorough assessment of damage mm. that uh, has, has been incurred. Then there must be a submission by relevant, either it's a municipality or it's department, submitting straight uh, to the National Disaster Management Center. And that's way uh, then the money will be uh, requested from treasure. Mm, mm. And, and, and what in the past has accounted for why it's taken so long? Well, I think uh, what has caused belief is that many of these applications uh, for this uh, allocation will require technical aspects mm. uh, to conduct scientific analysis uh, and to say, yes, this is the damage that has been uh, done, uh, that has been caused or incurred, and then this is the amount to repay. Mm. So that analysis would take time, and that's why we are saying let's build the capacity of the state to have more of these engineers in, in the government mm. rather than depending on outsourcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe, you know, this might be a perfect opportunity also um, to the point you're raising about capacity to say, look, we're a water-scarce country. If there's going to be a lot of rainfall coming down, it might mean we also get our story in order in terms of rainwater harvesting. Is that ever part of the disaster response in any way? It is, but I don't believe we are at a level where we can certainly see we have done thorough preparations. Because most of the rivers, even now, will flow till they go to the sea. Mm. And we now need to ensure that we upscale our plans to uh, rainwater harvesting, as you are saying. Yes, many households, many companies, and many government entities have put plans to ensure that they harvest water. But we do need to have a comprehensive strategy in that regard. Mm, mm. Then maybe a last one from from our end, uh, MEC. Um, The last flooding, what is the status in terms of progress of um, assisting people to stitch their lives together? Where are we insofar as that is concerned? We are working hard. Uh, I would say the only problem that we have now is that there are still people who are uh, in temporal or in community care centers. And this is caused by the fact that to the land availability is a challenge. 
and the government continues to buy plots of land where we are then building for those communities. But the number has been reduced and the progress is clear. We are now in a stage where we can be, uh, where we are, uh, we, we are quite clear on the number of people who are in each community care centers. We know that they are now linked to a particular piece of land which is either under construction or preparation, and we know the time frame in all of that. Almost all people who, have been, who are in community care centers will be out latest by November to be in their temporal residential units, the houses where they will stay up until there are resources to build proper houses for them. Mm. In your anticipation, when you say until there are those resources, is that within the medium-term expenditure period or will they have to wait for more than three years? No, 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 it will be within three years. But we must also guarantee that even the, uh, the, the temporary residential units are decent houses which are secured and guaranteed for the next three to five years. And and the the land where these houses are going to be built on, I mean, um, is it well-located land? Is it land that might be subject to the same sort of topographical issues that you mentioned earlier now, low-lying, or is it characteristically well, different to, I guess, the, the land? The land we are, we are sourcing, the land is uh, the land that is safe, and that's why it is taking time. And to a certain extent, we go out to buy land from the private sector mm. so that we build in safe areas, but also we have to build in areas nearby, uh, pe- uh, areas where people have been staying so that their social life will not be disrupted. Either schooling or work, they need not to be disrupted. And that's what caused problems. Okay. Kuzen, Asbongabab, Zandas Lulikan. Thank you for having us in your program. Thank, Thank you very much. Uh, the uh, MAC of the Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs.